We talked a lot today about AI, artificial intelligence, and the effect it's having in schools. A lot of students are using it to cheat. So, what are schools doing, and how do universities fight back? We checked in with the University of Winnipeg to see what they are working on to keep the cheating down. We also learned today about something called the Python 5000. It is a pothole fixing machine. It can patch potholes in two minutes. But it costs half a million dollars. Should we be looking at getting a couple of these in Winnipeg? Inspired by the Python 5000, we talked about our favorite machines, and of course, we had a lot to discuss on the Winnipeg Jets. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNab. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNab, and this is the Thursday, April 27th podcast for the start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNab, and Greg. Is it just my imagination, or after a few hours of rain yesterday, did the grass turn like noticeably greener? I have not put a single blade of a rake to my front lawn, and there are spots this morning when I got in the car. I went, oh, it's green. Yeah,、okay. so it's not your imagination because I noticed exactly the same thing. Now, to be clear, we're talking about a fairly small area, maybe about fifteen square feet. Yeah,、uh, but yeah, I noticed it myself. Did you notice that, Loren? Oh yeah, I just I just was looking out this morning and thought that. In fact, after just a couple. Of hours yesterday, I thought the same thing, and I was so grateful for the rain in many ways, just to kind of wash away the crud that's out there. And I'm well aware we're we're mindful of how much water we have on the ground and what's coming up the Red River and flood look, outlook and all the rest. But I would have preferred if that rain had come down in like 30 hard minutes versus what did yesterday. I wanted like a little bit of a harder of a rain to really cleanse things out because I feel like it's still gritty out there. Oh yeah, I mean it's been so dusty、uh, for the last I don't know, I guess couple of weeks. But、um, my least favorite time of the year, and it's not even close. I prefer I prefer a stretch of cold weather over this yucky, mucky, sandy, dusty mess that we have right now. I know it's a transition period, and we have to live with it. But I I, I just do not like it. April versus November. November is usually my pick for the worst month because of its transition to winter because、yeah. it's so gloomy. Like there's no sun. And this past November might have been the worst. It felt、yeah. like the worst ever. At least it was just it was almost cloudy entirely. It was depressing.、And、so we、April、lost you, November and we lost April.、Yeah. Well, April、Again. gives you hints, though. April gives you like those、mm. moments. It sucks you in. It sort of like you know it teases you, and you're like, yeah,、hey, oh, there you are. Hello, there you are. <laughs> hello, hello、yes. again. Yeah. <laughs> you're like I can. I, I want more of this, and then it takes it away. But you you're left with hope. Well, November, whatever snatches of gloom or sun you get, you just know. It's、short-lived for winter, you know. I don't know.、Yeah. It is though. It's a crappy time of year. Yeah, it's kind of gloomy out this morning. But let's、uh, let's see if Winnipeg's fortunes turns around、uh, tonight. Yeah, like double. Oh, well, double digits across the board the rest of the way for two weeks. But、uh, double oh, digits on the scoreboard. Do you see Wednesday next week? Yeah. Oh yeah. Twenty-two is the forecast high right now. Oh, I, that's Environment、on、Canada. Environment Canada Tuesday nineteen. A little bit cooler、uh, Monday and into the weekend, so 
fingers crossed on that. I always look, as as you know, I look to the forecast out west, and they're expecting some 23, 24, 26 degrees in the Okanagan coming up later on and early into next week. Calgary also in the low 20s, so that makes sense. Could make that that might be coming this way. Just as you have to take it one game at a time, Let's take it one day at a time with the temperature. That Wednesday's that's a tease. Fine. It's a tease just like April's teasing us right now all together. So that's May by next Wednesday, though. That's Cor- right. Correct Amundo. Good reminder, too. I keep forgetting to call the book my uh, tire swap. I haven't swapped my tires yet. Probably a good thing you hadn't swapped it. Fair. I barely ever drive it. But, yeah, it's fair that uh, uh, that I hadn't done it yet. But, indeed, as you mentioned, ho- hopefully the weather will turn around on us next week. And hopefully tonight things can turn around for the Winnipeg Jets. I know we're going to talk about this a little more in a half hour's time. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I got up this morning. My Jets jersey was hanging just in a certain spot. And I said, yeah, I got to wear that today. So we'll see what happens tonight. Mark Shifley is a no-go, but maybe Nikolai Ehlers. So uh, we'll just leave you with that uh, hanging for now. Uh, Cam Poitras back in the building after a week or so away. So he'll have uh, much more details on the Jets at 625. And another thing we're going to be talking about today, Loren, with Hal Anderson is something called... And I feel like I need to channel some some Hulk Hogan here. The Python 5000, brother. <laughs> so he mentioned to us yesterday that he wanted to talk uh, more about potholes today, right? Like we're talking about it's gloomy out there. You want that rain to wash things away. You've got the sweepers out there, the street cleaners. Are they doing their jobs? And then how about the streets that still, still seem so bumpy and bruised? And Hal's going to reference something that's being used, I believe, dare I say, Greg, it's from Saskatchewan. Um, or it's being used there, but it's called the Python 5000, and it's a self-propelled pothole patching machine that you can use yourself. And it's selling itself as something that you know can save you money, patch your streets for a longer period of time. So we're going to hear more from Hal and what's going on there, what it costs, how many they have, how it's working, the inventor of that. Could I buy one and just start driving around and patching streets? <laughs> like, <laughs> Watch out, I'll be over on your street with the Python 5000. And I think you know the idea that we complain about a lot of the same things year after year and what are we doing to improve upon them? What technology Mm -hmm. is out there that could perhaps make things better for all of us? Because it's not just a Winnipeg thing. They're everywhere. But I think lots of us feel as though perhaps we have solutions for our streets out there that aren't being used. Is the Python 5000 one of them? Could be. I'm looking and at I'm a now, picture I'm of this. I'm trying to be a fake Hulk Hogan. I, I, de- I definitely <laughs> can't channel. I can't channel that. Uh, Ottawa's using it. I'm looking at the picture of it here. But you mentioned the fact, could we go and buy our own? Probably not. I think they're about $500,000. So if you well, want to I saw split- one on sale this morning for 290000 Well, we could oh, split that happy. if you want, McNabb. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we could go around and... St- start our own pothole filling business. Uh, but I was going to reference the video on social media a couple of weeks ago of Arnold Schwarzenegger down in California, literally filling a pothole by himself with the help of a couple of friends. They did it by hand just to sort of make a point. So potholes are a fact of life elsewhere as well. But I like your question. Do we have the ultimate in pothole filling technology? And is this Python? on 5,000, the answer to that. We we probably don't want Arnold Schwarzenegger getting his hands on one of these things because that was not a pothole. He shouldn't have filled that in. That was a trench that had been dug for some gas line. Are you (laughs) kidding? Oh, yeah. 
He, he made a big mistake. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why the average person shouldn't be weighing in on there any of those go. things there because you go. don't really know. But at the same that's time. That's hilarious. Well, was it? Yeah, it is. It's hilarious. <laughs> no. For the people not who my that, trench. Not my trench. Uh, I don't have to unfill it. <laughs> he terminated a pothole that was not a pothole. Oh, that's great. And in a moment, we're going to get into, we want to get into a discussion about the Stanley Cup playoffs because there are a number of teams we want to discuss. But, Greg, we want to use a bit of an interesting segue here. And this is the Abby Khan Wab Canoe situation and what we learned yesterday. Of course, uh, video replay has become a huge part of hockey and how games are determined, critical calls, whether it be penalties, whether it be offside, goaltender interference, high sticks is a variety of different ways that that video replay is used in hockey. Well, you've been hearing in Sarah McCarthy's news this morning. This is a decidedly video focused story. So you should go to globalnews.ca or cjob.com to see the video that was released yesterday. That interaction we've been hearing so much about between uh, Abi Khan of the Con- Progressive Conservatives and uh, the NDP official opposition leader, Wab Canoe, during a Turban Day celebration at the legislature. There's now video available of that interaction. And you can judge for yourself whether or not there was a shove shove involved as is alleged by Khan. Uh, Wab Canoe has, has admitted that he used aggressive language for sure. And you can see very clearly on that video, he does sort of, some people have likened it to the Donald Trump reach and grab and pull in handshake on Khan and, and sort of held him in his place for a long time. And then when Khan went to, to leave, he sort of yanked him back and said, no, 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 I'm not done talking to you yet. But was there a shove there? I think it is like hockey, and hockey fans will will look at the exact same piece of video, Brett, and can and one side will say, "Ah, oh, it's clearly offside," <laughs> and then the team that doesn't want it, you know, that, that wants it to be onside, could say, "Ah, oh, the video." It, it's perfectly obvious that the team was onside or there was no illegal hit or the player left his feet or no goaltender interference. It's one of those situations where I think the video open maybe opens as many questions as it answers. You can once again, see it at cjob.com and feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. Now on the hockey front, of course, the Winnipeg Jets, Back in action tonight, but these Stanley Cup playoffs overall have been interesting for a variety of reasons, including the fact that none of the teams have been eliminated yet. And no some sweeps. of the teams that we were expecting to perhaps get dumped out have uh, turned the tide in interesting ways. Last night, the Florida Panthers had coach Paul Maurice overtime victory against Boston. They stay alive. Not only is the Seattle Kraken surprise some people and hanging in with the Colorado Avalanche. They're up 3-2 yeah. going home in that series. And Loren, I know Brett has a pretty, pretty, pretty good friend who's an Avalanche fan who's probably pretty, pretty, pretty nervous right now. Ner- nervous because, you know, Colorado, I think it's kind of that thing when you go into playoffs, they, they they should easily take this. If not sweep, you know, it'll be 4-1 to one or something like that, right, in the series. And now we ha- here we are, Seattle leading that series 3-2. And so I think you're nervous because you're like, wait, 
what's happening, you know, what's going on. And on the flip side, super exciting for the Kraken fans. Like, just what a, what a time that game is going to be for them when they play uh, game six. I mean, my gosh, that'll be so much fun to be at home and potentially win that series. That's amazing. And then on nerve side, of course, we'll get into the Jets in a moment, but on, on the nerve side, you've got Leafs fans out there. And I know, I don't want to give you any time of day, but I have to because you're there. <laughs> You exist, and I don't want to be rude. So if, you, if you're if you a Leafs fan, let us know what you're thinking, 780-6868, because, of course, you lead the series 3-1. You're looking to get past the first round for the first time in, what, 17 years, 18 years, and it feels like you, you need this so badly. I got a kid who's talking. He's ready to write a French project based on the headline for the first time in forever, Leafs make it to the second round. He's holding out hope that that gets to be his headline next week in class. And so... There's nerves because they have let leads like this sweep away before, Greg. And so that's on, on the winning side. They, they shouldn't be nervous going into tonight's game, but you know they will be. And we're nervous because we don't want to be eliminated. So they, uh, the, the Maple Leafs now, they blew a 3-1 series lead uh, two playoff seasons ago yep. against Montreal in the All-Canadian division on Montreal's a trip uh, to a sweep of the Jets and eventually to the Stanley Cup final. Last year, Toronto was up three games to do to two against Tampa and eventually lost that series. And yeah, since 2004, they've not gotten out of the first round. So that hangs over the heads of Leafs fans. And until that final whistle goes, I don't think there'll be a, a Leafs fan who isn't a tiny bit nervous. I don't care how much you love that team or how much you believe that this is the year for them to get out of the first round or maybe even win the Stanley Cup. It's going to be very nervous times. And then that will dovetail uh, into the Jets and Golden Knights tonight. I, I think there is some resignation on the part of, of many Jets fans that this could be the last game of the season tonight. No Mark Shifley, but we're there. There, Nikolai Ehlers that's, is a game time decision. I've got my fingers crossed there. Could his presence change things and the fortunes of the Jets, in particular on their power play? He adds uh, just another level of dyna. Dynam, he's a dynamo player is what he is. He's super fast. He brings another level of excitement and ability to to uh, gain the offensive zone. And Connor Hellebuck is yet to steal a game for the Jets. He only faced 17, 18 shots in that first game that they won. So Connor Hellebuck, uh, maybe tonight's the night he steals one. We won't find out until the wee hours uh, potentially of tomorrow morning, though. And that Mark Shifley situation yesterday was a bit of an emotional roller coaster because it felt like it was just an hour, like an hour apart where I saw on Twitter, Mark Shifley's feeling a lot better today. Pulling yeah. two suitcases. Looks like he's ready to go, right? And then I see the tweet from Sarah Orleski, who's joining us later at 935, who says uh, Mark Shifley has been ruled out for, for tomorrow's game. Like, what? What just happened here? So that was upsetting. Yeah, and it did. You're right. It did uh, turn fast. The word I'm trying to say there is dynamism. 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 Di- dynamism? A, a, a level of dynamism. The quality dynamism? of being characterized no. by dynamism? vigorous activity and progress. <laughs> you know, these are words sometimes that you use your whole life. And then you're like, realize you've been saying them wrong. Dynamism. Huh. D-Y-N-A-M-I-S-M. Did not know that M existed. Dynamism. It's one thing when you say it amongst friends. When you're saying it amongst friends on the radio, you try and get it right. And so sometimes I just have to bail on the $5 word. Dynamism. 
<laughs> nah, nah, nah. Pre-game show, by the way, tonight on CJOB, 6.30, puck drop at 9, Jets and Golden Knights. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, Hal Anderson, the host of Connecting Winnipeg. Today on his show, he's going to be talking about the Python 5000, and he's going to join us at 8.05 to sort of tee this up. This is, it's a, a, a pothole-filling machine. It's like, it's, it, by the sounds of it, it's like a miracle pothole machine. So he's going to tell us about that, where they're using it. It's the alchemy of uh, a, a, a combine and a Zamboni, according <laughs> to the uh, inventor. The alchemy. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that got us thinking, though, in the meantime. Machines are fun. So what's your favorite machine? 204-780-6868. Is there a machine that when you see it in action, it just it ignites sort of childlike wonder inside you? Or... Conversely, if you just want to identify your favorite machine, like, for example, the vending machine. Why? Because it feeds me Cheetos. Feel free to join the conversation at 204-780-6868. That's to the point, <laughs> Or hickory sticks. Or hickory I sticks. I like the hickory sticks. I know Loren doesn't like the hickory sticks, but I like the hickory sticks. They're so tiny and small and messy and don't taste good, and they're weird. And but that's, but you get maximum <laughs> grammage then. You can cram more of them into the bag. There's less air in the bag. So there's a weird like let's make the smallest. It's like a crumb. Someone said let's just take crumbs and put them in a bag. I don't well, I told I, I told you they're the sawdust of the potato chip factory. Exactly. That's what so hickory chips are them. or Correct. hickory sticks. Love the hickory sticks. In the meantime, Cameron Pointer's <laughs> back from uh, vacation. Hello there, yes. sir. Your favorite machine? Do you have one? Uh well, holy moly, where these? I mean, I was just in Florida, and where the animatronics are going is unfreaking believable mm-hmm. um, we went into um, my wife and I we went into a bunch of these experiences and stuff there and there was one where I actually had to like pit like is that real like is that real said Lumiere from uh, Beauty and the Beast it was unfreaking believable and um it's it's like and and like they're showcasing some of this other stuff that's coming. Like this stuff is just it's it's like we've come a long way from people being having their minds blown and like from ni- nineteen sixty four seeing Abraham Lincoln stand up and do a, do right. a speech. You know what I, I mean? I was going to say the Hall of Presidents. Yeah, yeah. in seventy six blew my mind. Blew my mind again. Yeah. in in uh, nineteen ninety one. This is this is next level. Yeah, right? this stuff is this stuff is getting absolutely incredible. You're like it's come, come to the point where you're not even able to. You're not even able to tell the difference, and uh, so that what is what I and and the tricks and the little things that they're doing now um, are just I, I'm I'm so excited to see what's coming next. That's cool. So so the animatronics have come a long way from the Simpsons ones. Where it's, you're the birthday boy, yeah. or girl. Yeah, uh, yeah. unfortunately, uh, it's a small world is still just as horrible as it has always been, as oh, well as the tea, as well as the tiki room, which uh, is now oh, infamous in my family. If you know, you know about the tiki yep, room. Yep. I'm not going to start Beer singing. Country jamboree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah McCarthy, what about you? I'm going with the hoverboard. I see so many kids riding these things, and I just have no idea how they work. I guess you just like it's like the self-driving scooter. Like you just lean forward on them. I don't know. I don't know. I just think of the Back to the Future scene, and like I'm like, well. 
we're here now, I guess. So yeah. That's pretty cool for me. Well, I would like the the, yeah. the Back to the Future hoverboard, but yeah. the hoverboard that's just a thing on two mm-hmm. wheels, that seems like a, that's a concussion waiting to happen for <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, a little dangerous. A little bit of a cop-out, too. <laughs> but uh, that's next level Heelys. That's what that is, McCarthy. <laughs> that's why I won't be on one. <laughs> yes, you're scared to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Loren, what about you? Well, I, I think I have to give a shout out right now, first of all, to the Commander G3, which is the box that's kept me going from home all through the pandemic. And it makes mm-hmm. me laugh about how w- things get names and, th- and then someone somewhere is like, it's not enough to call it the Commander. Like, let's add a couple letters or numbers on it. It's not enough <laughs> to call it the Python Pothole, which is a great name in itself. It's the Python 5000, right? Like that really jazzes it up. Even I was looking up hoverboards while you were talking, Sarah, yeah. and it's like the hoverboard 6.0 or a hoverboard <laughs> spirit 6.5. Like it's like someone's one upping you all the time. So I love my commander. But at the end of the day, I am still like a kid when I watch, um, Zamboni at the rink or at a construction site, the good old fashioned wrecking ball. You're like, this is, this is still a thing with all the, mach- with all the machines we have. We're still taking this string with a ball at the end and smashing it into something. And I, I'll stand and watch that for quite some time. That reminds me of when they brought down the the zoo, the Osborne Village Motor Inn, and and a couple of years ago, and they they basically had this like truckosaurus looking machine that had these. (laughs) It was just this giant metal (laughs) mouth that was just grabbing onto the side of the building and ripping it down. And I stood there just fascinated, like this building probably took a while to build, and it took this thing like a couple hours to bring it down. So well, when they brought down the when they brought down the Winnipeg Arena. Eventually, you know, the dynamite or whatever explosive that uh-huh. didn't work. They had to tie a rope around one of the pillars and just drive it out with a great big truck. <laughs> That'll work. Yep, that's what worked. I was working that day that happened and our reporter who was covering it, he, when he was doing it live, he just started laughing. He said, oh, it didn't come down. Forte, what about you? I'm going to say the 3D printer. Those things oh. can print so many different things. Oh. And actually, uh, my mom, for this past uh, couple of weeks, she was going through mine and my brother's old toys, and she picked out uh, Buzz and Woody from Toy Story. To infinity and beyond! And unfortunately, Buzz's wing was broken, and she needed this little piece. So she went to this company that does 3D printing, and uh, she was able to get this little piece printed out, and now Buzz is all good. He's fixed. So those machines are just amazing. Wait a minute. Your mom fixed toys? Like, who's using these toys still? Uh-huh. You have an announcement there, Uncle Jeff. Yeah, well, my, my brother, my brother's going to be uh, having a baby, so. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exciting. Oh, that's so cute of your mom to bring out old toys. Like, what old is what's Someone's old excited. Again? Someone's oh. excited. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, 30 seconds back, then. You got one? Yeah, my my, uh, grandpa used to be an engineer. Uh, My grandpa lived in British Columbia, and he took me to a, uh, what are are those, uh, fortune cookies? Fortune cookie factory, and how they make fortune cookies, absolutely fascinating. The little circle, the the dough drops on, or the the batter drops on, and it's heated. It's a circle. It kind of moves along a conveyor belt, and it heats it just to a certain point. And then a human hand has to take it off, put the fortune inside, and then fold it, put it aside. And somebody does that like thousands of times a day. Very, very cool.
But right now we want to learn about something that's inspired our fun conversation this morning about your favorite machine. It's called the Python 5000. It was brought to our attention by the host of Connecting Hal, Connecting Winnipeg, Hal Anderson, who joins us now to tell us more. Hi, Hal. Hey, okay, so the Python 5, I love the name, first of all. Python 5000, Canadian-made, self-propelled pothole patching machine. And I'm going to start connecting Winnipeg, my show, right after the news at 10 o'clock with all of this. It's not cheap, half a million dollars, but it takes just two minutes to repair a pothole completely start to finish. Ben Kang is the CFO of Python Superior Roads out of Regina. It requires only one operator that can carry out the entire portal patching operations, such as cleaning the sites, spread tech oils, convey the materials, and last but not least, compactions, which is the key for long-lasting repair. So again, the Python 5000 does the entire job, and the lone operator never leaves the machine's cab. Ben says Winnipeg would probably need two or three Python 5000s, and he should know because the Python 5000 is being used in several other cities across the country. Such as Sudbury, Thunder Bay, uh, Montreal, Ottawa, and then now we are you know, discussing you know, potential sales to the city of uh, Toronto. Ben tells me they have had talks with the city of Winnipeg in the past, but not recently, and nothing came from those discussions. My full interview with Ben right after the news at 10 o'clock on Connecting Winnipeg. We'll also hear from the man who designed the Python 5000, and I'll also on my show today after 10.30 get a pothole update and the latest on the spring cleanup from Manager of Streets Maintenance, Michael Cantor. Uh, if you want to see the Python 5000, I've got it on all my social media feeds and on Connecting Winnipeg today, I'll share with you some of the thoughts from my followers on my social media platform. Some pretty good stuff from them this morning. Hal, I've seen it described as a combination of a combine and a Zamboni. So it makes perfect yeah. sense it was created in Saskatchewan. Exactly. And I think it's worth mentioning uh, that this machine can operate in up to minus 40 temperatures. It can use both cold mix and hot mix. And I think, you know, as one person said on uh, Twitter, I believe it was this morning, my Twitter feed, you know, we are pothole central. If other cities are using this, why are we not using the Python 5000? Got to study it. Oh, sure. Absolutely. But it seems to be, but it's, well, yes, you're joking. But it, I mean, it's got to work, but it's working in other cities. So why wouldn't it work here? So the, some of the questions I have going forward for this, Hal, when you speak to some of the folks behind this is that, mm. you know, it's faster, right? So it, it fills it in the two minutes, two as you minutes. mentioned. So it gets it done more quickly. And if you have tens of thousands of potholes to do, which yep. we always do, then that's helpful. I'm curious about the longevity of the fill. Is there any evidence to show that once it's filled, you know, maybe that fill does a better job and lasts longer? You mentioned how it does well in, in better te- different temperatures. So that's good. But it's it's not just the quickness of filling it. It's about not having to go back and repair it again i feel like every three days i drive down the street where i'm like i know that was just filled and mm-hmm. i still hit it and it feels like i'm i'm hitting like a big big huge bump so yeah. well, there's some I think curiosity about that sure I, and i think that's the cold mix primarily when we get a hot mix fix sure. of a pothole that lasts longer this can do both uh, mm-hmm. again the designer of this uh, machine and it's been around for over a decade 
Uh, he says it can do everything that a normal street maintenance crew can do. Now, the union might not like the idea of one person in a cab as opposed to a crew doing pot, pothole repairs, but maybe it's part of the force, uh, the pothole uh, crews in, in Winnipeg, two or three of them. That's a million, million and a half bucks. Is that a good investment? I don't know. Somebody at City Hall's got to do the do the numbers, crunch the numbers, but boy, I, looking at it, and it's working well in other cities, I think we got to look at it, at least look at it. Fully agree, Hal. Thanks for bringing this to us, to our attention, and Hal's going to have more on Connecting Winnipeg after Global News at 10 to tell you much more about the Python 5000. And- We all know that it is sometimes just the simplest things that can make a huge difference in someone's life. Yeah, it might just be a walk in the park, you know, a bike ride, a a little toy. And I think for our children, these little things can especially go a long way. And our next guest is here to tell us how the efforts that her group has been working on have helped children living with autism find success in school. And so we're going to talk about an event known as the Autism Ride. Over the past five years, it's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to help classrooms for preschool age kids living with autism. And so money will go towards iPads with specialized apps, educational materials, and more. And so we want to hear about what's going on. We're joined now by Christy Lafreniere, St. Amand Foundation's Partnership and Events Coordinator. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time. And, and I'm, you know, before we get into the event and what the fundraising efforts do, I want to talk about helping people better understand autism. Because when I went on your website, site this morning, autismawarenessriders.ca. It says, receiving an autism diagnosis does not change who your child is. It just simply gives you an understanding of the challenges they'll face and how you can best meet your child's needs. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that because I think probably for any parent out there, hearing those words sends you down a whole spiral of events. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important to have events like this to really raise awareness and acceptance about autism. Um, the children that are supported at St. Amant have a team of specialists who work directly with them and individualize the programs to each child. So, um, you know, the children that are supported at St. Amant are very well taken care of. Anybody who has benefited from these programs can attest to that. So, um, really, that's why we are raising the awareness and raising funds at this uh, really important event. It's for the children and ensuring that they continue to thrive in the classrooms. Does it improve when you when you put autism at the forefront like this and and you hold an event like this? Clearly, it's going to prompt some conversations about how we're doing in the community with regard to recognizing autism, but also making accommodations for those that Mm -hmm. deal with it, whether it's family or individuals specifically. Are we doing a better job of that in your estimation, Christy? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, there's lots of different events that are accommodating different uh, needs. I mean, this one specifically will have um, uh, special kits available. So anybody who needs uh, a little bit of extra support with some uh, different products. We'll have that available. Um, we were just at the Manitoba Moose Autism Acceptance Game and there they had subdued lighting and uh, the music was a little bit lower. So I feel like, yeah, it's definitely on the forefront now. People are more aware that, you know, people have different accessibility needs, whether or not you can see it. So, yeah. So the event is happening June 3rd? June 3rd. So it's does... a beautiful sunny day. <laughs> I love the optimism. Let's, let's hope for that. Yeah. So how does the autism ride work? Yeah, so registration's already open at stamont.ca slash ride. Uh, riders can register for the ride. They would uh, join us at West St. Paul Access Center, just off the north perimeter there. 
Uh, from there, they visit three stops across the province collecting their poker cards, and then they return back to the Access Centre for uh, basically the party. So we'll have live bands and music, food, entertainment. There's stuff for everybody, so it's not just for riders. There's bouncy castles and face painting, silent auction prizes, 50-50, so a little bit of something for everyone. So how it works, you, you can have, be a solo rider, you pay a fee, or a double rider will pay 45, or dual rider, sorry, it's probably called, yeah. and you collect pledges and all the rest, Christy. A lot of money gets raised through this. Tell us a bit about how much, you know, on average you've been getting year over year and where the money goes. Yeah, so over the past few years, we have raised over $400,000. Uh, this money has helped us furnish autism room classrooms uh, open up new classrooms and then really just outfit them with all of the supplies they need, like smart boards and uh, specialized communication apps, uh, iPads, everything to just ensure that the children are set up for success in kindergarten. Christy, I know these events don't happen without the generosity of individuals with their time and their dollars, but also without the uh, incredible work of corporations and businesses in our community that step up and say, hey, if you do this, We'll do that. And you've got somebody who's matching donations to a certain point this year, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. So if you register for the ride, you can opt to um, waive your registration fee and collect pledges instead. And so all pledges up to $5,000 are being matched thanks to the Keg Spirit Foundation. So uh, I encourage riders, if you are going to join, to uh, waive your registration fee, collect pledges, because it's going to go a long way with that matching gift. Our guest is Christy Lafreniere, St. Amon Foundation's Partnership and Events Coordinator, and we're talking about the 6th Annual Autism Ride. And I understand that two past ride participants have passed away, but uh, they've, you know, they, some donations have come uh, in their honor that have uh, led to some rather unique uh, acquisitions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sadly, as you mentioned, two past autism ride participants passed away, but with the generosity of their friends and family and loved ones, uh, donations were made in their honor. And then with those proceeds, we purchased two adapted bikes, which will be presented to two people supported from St. Amont at the event. So that'll be a really heartwarming uh, presentation. And the two people from St. Amont are so excited to get these adapted bikes. So uh, I think it's important for these, you know, the generous community to see where funds are going and to actually see the people who are receiving these and see the smiles on their faces. It's, it's really touching. What is an adapted bike? Sorry, Greg. No, go ahead. What is an adapted bike? Yeah, so adapted bikes can look different for everybody. There's some that um, almost have like a platform at the back that you can just put a wheelchair on and buckle it in and then a support person would ride around. Or there's some that need just specialized seats or specialized um, handlebars or pedals. So it looks different for everybody depending on the needs. I wanted to ask you, Christy, personally, Mm -hmm. what what does it mean to be associated with an organization like this? Uh, I always talk about uh, certain, there are certain vocations that are not just jobs, they're callings. So Mm -hmm. just was curious as to uh, why you spend your time and why this is important uh, for you to to work and and to do what you do on behalf of St. Amon. Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking that. I've never been asked that before. That's really kind. Um, I'm a mom myself. I have three little kids and I know that you know, if they needed the support and the help from professionals that I would hope there was a team of people behind them that really had their heart in the right place. Um, my nephew himself suffers from autism. And so that 
that touches me a little bit there, um, especially with events like this. But um, kind of like I said about the adapted bikes, being able to see where these proceeds go and see the smiles on the faces of the people that we support. Um, I'm lucky that I get to witness that all the time. So, it's, I mean, my job is very easy. <laughs> and, you know, last year I remember working on a story, Christy, with this young girl who uh, lived with autism. And, and even just the simple thing of an app, how it changed her work her job because the communication was easier, more easier understood through this app and this iPad and, and using that at work versus the person. And that's how she operated. And so it made a huge difference for her. And so when we talk about the little things, like a bike is something that everyone should have. We, mm-hmm. It's a little thing, but it's a very big thing for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. And I mean, like I mentioned before, every child and every person with autism, their needs are so unique. And so for some people, uh, a specialized app on an iPad uh, can be several thousand dollars. And really it's the difference between them being able to communicate or not. So uh, the funds are just so important for everybody and uh, everybody just has their unique needs. And I agree. I feel like everybody should have the right to communicate and ride a bike and have fun and that's why these events are so important it's the sixth annual autism ride it's happening saturday june 3rd you can get more information and learn how you can register at saintamont.ca slash ride christy lafreniere saint amount foundation's partnership and events coordinator thank you so much for joining us we appreciate this thank you for having me that was fun don't cheat it's something we've probably all been told at least once in our lifetime. And, and uh, hey, guilty as charged. I've cheated on <laughs> tests. I've helped friends cheat off me on tests. It happens. It happens. And it could be just, you know, someone, your mom saying, don't cheat in a board game, Brett. Or maybe it was in the classroom that you heard that phrase at or in a uh, sporting event. But, yeah, like it's out there. And we know it's been out there for basically since the dawn of schools. But now with technology in the classroom and and more specifically certain kinds of software, there are growing questions about how that could help students cheat without maybe even getting caught. And so as you've been hearing throughout the morning on 680 CJOB, AI, artificial intelligence, and the use of chat GPT, they're on the rise. If you don't know, chat GPT can generate text really quickly. You can just feed it a question or a bit of text and say, you know, I want to write an essay on this. And it will give you an answer. It'll also help you analyze text. If you submitted a report and say, well, what does this all mean? It might give you that summary. And so there are questions about how that is working or not working in the classroom. Uh, even in the States recently, there was a s- story that showed chat GBT successfully passed a medical exam. Basically, a robot can do it. So what are schools doing with all this information? Dr. Tracy Whalen is the Associate Dean of the Faculty of Arts and Chair of the University's Academic Integrity Working Group at the University of Winnipeg. And we say good morning to Tracy. How's it going? Good morning. How's it going with you? I'm good. I'm, I'm fascinated by all this and, of course, worried in some respects. But, you know, it's a concern right now. I'm curious, is it an actual problem at the university level? Are you actually seeing or having instructors come to you and saying that one of their students possibly used this? How much is it... Uh, in the classroom. For sure. Well, I think, too, the fact that ChatGPT is one of the AI text-generating tools emerged at the end of November, right? A lot of this has come at us very suddenly. And so a lot of um, post-secondary institutions right now are facing some challenges, but some opportunities as well in terms of how we live with and work with, you know, these artificial intelligence tools. 
Uh, I, I chair the Senate Academic Misconduct Committee as well at the University of Winnipeg, and we are starting to see uh, some chat GPT uh, cases coming before us. So there is concern around this, um, but we're always trying to frame this for our students in terms of academic integrity and to try to be really clear with our students and and through the faculty that the unauthorized use of AI tools is in violation of our very well-established policies and, and procedures, which apply to all manner of tools that one might use to cheat. I mean, this is not brand new, no. Dr. Whalen. The idea of integrity in the classroom. I, I'm I'm in my mid fifties. I just kind of choked on that saying it out loud. <laughs> but you know, when I wrote papers back in the day, there were two or three resources with regards to encyclopedias, maybe the odd book, depending on uh, what you were writing about. Uh, that were go-tos for information. But then you saw calculators come along, right. computers, handheld devices. So That's I'm going right. to ask you about this from the exact opposite way. Is it possible that for as easy as it is for individuals to maybe have chat uh, GPT create a term paper for you as an example, is it not easier now than ever for teachers, professors, for teachers' aides to run those through the same programs and discover that people are not using their own words, their own thoughts. For sure, there are, there are detector tools, and there's one actually developed by OpenAI, which developed ChatGPT. Um, but I think if we look at these tools as well, I think we have to bring them into the classroom. I think you know they're not going anywhere, and instructors know they're there, students know that they're there. And, and I think that, you know, like you say, there have been calculators, all kinds of ways that, that students can, you know, not exercise, I guess we could say, academic integrity. Um, but I think there's really fascinating ways, too, that these can be brought into the classroom. So, for example, um, I've in the past taught academic writing. I can imagine bringing a text uh, that is produced, as you said, you put in an essay and you and you look at it together as a class, and then you say, what are the limitations of this essay that it's produced? Look at the the way that it assembles information. Look at some of this disinformation. Look at the fact that it doesn't provide citations. Let's take a look and see what it has cited here. What does this say about you as a writer of integrity, right? So a lot of it comes back to what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of student do you want to be? And like any tool, whether it be a calculator or access to your notes or your device, how do you use those tools? Well, one of the things, and it's Brett McGarry here, one of the things that that I find, I don't want to say the word scary, but uh, one of the things that's thrown me off just even in the last few days is the discovery that there are artificial intelligence news articles that are being pumped out. Mm -hmm. There are artificial intelligence images of people that are being created and passed along on social media. And now it's to the point where I feel like everything I look at, I need to run it through some sort of a vetting process, Mm -hmm. uh, even more so just in the last six months and at the, you know, at the beginning, throughout the the early days of the pandemic when there was so much disinformation. So how do you sort of sift through that? Like, how do you, how do you instruct somebody to, to deal with that? Well, I think, I think you make a good point. I think we do need to be 
talking as instructors, I think we do need to say, how do we take this text? How do we understand it? How, how can students know um, how, you know, how we understand information in our world, right? And, and misinformation, disinformation. And I, and I think that there are concerns around these, these technologies for sure. Um, but I think that in terms of, you know, my work at the university is let's focus on working together with, with um, you know, our instructors, working together with how we teach our classes, what kind of outcomes we want, and how we have better critical thinkers in the classroom. And I think by bringing AI in and taking a look at its limitations, um, that, that students will be more well-equipped in our world, you know, to, to recognize these things. Dr. Tracy Whalen. Oh, go ahead, Loren. No, I was just going to say it comes down to critical thinking, right? And there's always been oh. concern the more technology comes in. And even with, say, Cole's notes of summarizing the Shakespeare yes. text right, right back in my day. You didn't, too. You, right. You didn't take time to learn it yourself. And so that's maybe that's part right. of the bigger, bigger conversation, Tracy. We'll, we'll have that at another time. But how do we be better critical thinkers, I think, is something we could all work on. Absolutely. We've all heard you're just cheating yourself in the end. We've all heard that. <laughs> academic integrity. You want to be that person who lives that way. Dr. Tracy Whalen, Associate Dean of the Faculty of Arts and Chair of the University's Academic Integrity Working Group at the University of Winnipeg. You're only cheating yourself. I tend to hear that on the golf course when I maybe don't put an honest score down on the card. (laughs) Right. And so if there was an electronic device that you wore that monitored how many times you actually swing the club at the end of the day, when you compared that score with the one that you thought you had, you're only cheating yourself, McGarry. (laughs) Like when I say I only had 10 chips and it was 10 times 10. (laughs) That's inaccurate. I had 10 handfuls. I had 10 shovelfuls. Oh, I dropped a zero. I only had one glass of wine. Uh-huh. But it was out I'll of a picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Our question, actually, questions of the day, both at cjob.com and on Twitter. At cjob.com, should Passport Canada be considered an essential service? So it's just a simple yes or no question. And so far, the early results are in favor of the yes at 59% versus 41% say no. And then on Twitter, we're asking you about the Python 5000. Some Canadian cities are using the Python 5000 to fix potholes. The machine can fill potholes in two minutes, but it costs 500K. Should Winnipeg get some of these? And so far, 76% say yes. ASAP, 22% say I need to learn more, and 2% say too costly. Save the cash. So more on the Python 5000 with Hal after Global News at 10. But we were asking you for fun, uh, inspired by the Python 5000. What's your favorite machine? We got some rather interesting feedback throughout the morning, Mr. Greg. Somebody said something about my Fisher 1266 metal detector. Trust me, no other machine beats this and I can prove it. Listener, I want you to prove it. Tell me why you say this machine is, is, is the best. It's going to be a thing, though, where you have to give him your jewelry and he hides it. <laughs> it's like when the ma- magician asks you for a $20 bill and then rips yeah. it up. and then Or says, I can make this disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good. Anybody? Not good so sure. Either of you ever used a metal detector? I've always, I always wanted to. 
Never did. No. No, but I did do a story on someone who it's a sort of a side business for them. And they had, it was a really neat business because he likes to go out and find things, but he also then gets contacted by folks who say they lost a special piece of jewelry or a war medal or something. And he's he's found things in the water. Like he had this, there's a video of him. He's waist deep in water with this metal detector and all of a sudden jumps down, (laughs) dives down, pops up and he's holding this guy's ring. Uh, that was his, really meant a lot to him and then reunited him with his ring. So it can kind of be like an emotional, the metal is soft metal. You oh, know? Gets, like, cuts to the core of you. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm just faking my cry here, but I meant, you know, no. the soft, I was trying to make a play on words with soft metal and soft hearts and it didn't work. <laughs> it did actually. I, 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 I thought it was, did Loren just actually start? So I cheated I with my <laughs> fake crying. <laughs> she my robot crying. chat GPT. <laughs> To generate some te- that putting wasn't the even, tears in GPT. That wasn't even Loren talking. That's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> it is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're going to talk some hockey in a moment, which of course is a rock'em sock'em game. And you might know the Jerry Springer show as a Rock'em Sock'em show. We just got some news, just came across our newswire that Jerry Springer, the former mayor of what city, Greg? Cincinnati, Ohio. And news anchor and television talk show host has died at the age of 79. Uh, family spokesperson says that he died at a home in suburban Chicago. So just wanted to pass that along. You uh, had the opportunity to go to a Jerry Springer taping, Greg? And I turned what? it down. Back in 1998, I was in Chicago for four or five days with my buddy John. We were there on an epic baseball road trip. So that was the primary focus. But we were walking down, I think it was Michigan Avenue or, or thereabouts, and walked right pl- past the studio. They were handing out tickets, and my buddy John wanted to go. And I said, in no uncertain terms, am I going in there? Now I regret it. Why well, it's it, it. I think it's because you either are the person who liked the kind of guilty pleasure of it, which was basically on the backs of people having really horrific things happen to them, like finding out someone cheated on you in front of a live studio audience in some sort of test, or you so you felt guilty either being there or you liked being in that environment and you know liking someone else's problems. It was a confusing, and confusing times. Yeah, and it it really triggered sort of a whole kind of subculture of tele- mm-hmm. daytime talk shows because they used to be just civilized and then Springer sort of changed the formula and then Maury Povich sort of, sort of copied it with his whole, you are not the father. Yes. And who was that? Morton Downey, the, the big mouth guy who took it to a, another level altogether. So it was an interesting time in daytime talk television. So Jerry Springer dead at 79. In the meantime, let's shift gears here. There is no tomorrow. Do or die. Backs to the wall, etc. All apply for the Winnipeg Jets as they head into game five of their best of seven series versus the Vegan Golden Knights down three games to one. Sarah Orleski of Jets TV joins us from Sin City. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. You know, one thing I love you three is that I never know what the lead in is going to be <laughs> before... I come on. <laughs> like, you're like sitting there wondering if we're going to make you throw some chairs around the room or talk about uh, exactly. your favorite dates. Uh, yes, I get it. You know, I've chimed in before in my feelings on what different types of chocolates, different things. I mean, <laughs> afternoon, daytime television in the 90s. Oh, 
That was a heyday. <laughs> <laughs> you could really find whatever you wanted, couldn't you? You really could. Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Phil, yes. Donahue. I mean, you go down, there was a whole, they all switched. Exactly what I said about how the the whole landscape of daytime television changed with those sorts of shows. And I think that everyone discovered that they needed to be like that at that time in order to be able to get the ratings, sadly. Well, terrific insight, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah Orleski, of course, of Jets TV. Uh, cliches. I think I once heard Paul Maurice suggest cliches are cliches because they're true. Is there one turn of phrase which has been more popular than any, uh, any other with Jets players since Monday night? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the one that I've heard a lot is that you can't win three games in one game. So they just have to focus on this one. And that's what they're, and that's what the priority is, obviously. I mean, they have no option. They're down 3 1 in the series. But this was a loose group yesterday. I thought that the mood was really good, considering everything that they've dealt with. And I'm not just talking about where they are in the series, but obviously the substantial losses that they've experienced injury-wise and that they've had to deal with. This was a group that was smiling out there. And I think that usually when we hear them being a really talkative group on the ice, really engaged in practice, giving each other a hard time, lots of banter out there. I think that that's when they're at their best. So I think it's a positive sign, at least, that going into this game, they don't appear, at least yesterday, they don't appear to be really tight and um, wound up for it because basically there's, there's a tremendous amount of pressure going into this game. Speaking of signs, Sarah, you know, a lot of talk about Nikolai Ehlers. Will he won't be in the lineup tonight? He's a game-time decision right now. What did you see at practice that gives you an indication of where he might be at and if it makes sense to throw him in tonight? I was joking with Jamie Thomas, but I feel as if every single day we have, throughout this playoff series so far, we have in some capacity talked about, will he or won't he with Nikolai Ehlers? Yes, we think he's in. Nope, never mind, he's not. Maybe he's in. Oh, still... So there's still a lot of uncertainty regarding it. I mean, Nikolai very much wants to play. They obviously, look, they need him. He'd be a huge boost for them, um, presuming that he's healthy enough to make it through the game. And so a, a lot of intrigue this morning on morning skate as to whether or not he'll be there. I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not Rick Bonus says he has medical clearance because that's what they're waiting on in order to be able to get into the lineup or if this is going to be one of those classic game time decisions where you watch warm up and see, you know, how many, whether or not they dress extra skaters and, and what happens from there. But he was moving around well yesterday. He looked good. He had speed. He was joking around with the media that he was very um, Ken Weeb and said that, you know, I think you wrote, and I'm slightly paraphrasing, but that you, you know, this was the best you've looked out there. And he said, well, thank you. And he was just, he goes, is that on the ice or off the ice? And he was just, so he was in a great mood and was joking around with it. But especially with the loss of Mark Shifley, obviously different positions, but it would be a boost for this team to be able to have a, a dynamic player like Nikolai Ehlers and, you know, a top six winger back in the lineup because they have certainly missed his speed and they've missed what he's able to do on the ice in this series. And they're going to need all hands on deck. If you want to throw out a cliche and line, they're going to need everybody um, for this one. If they're going to be able to extend this series and force it to a game six in Winnipeg. We're speaking with Sarah Orleski of Jets TV and Sarah, the stats on several fronts through five games align with where this series stands. One place the Jets 
had a decided advantage coming in was in goal. So what's your take on the Laurent Brossois versus Connor Hellebuck matchup? I think this is the way that I described Connor Hellebuck so far. I think that he has been good in this series. And yes, you can look at his numbers. And if you just look strictly at the numbers, um, they aren't good enough. I think he's been good. He hasn't been great. And right now the Winnipeg Jets need their best players to be at their best. And that to me starts with Connor Hellebuck. He needs to, especially depending what their roster looks like tonight, he needs to steal them a game. Really? I mean, he just, that's, he's your best player. He's arguably your MVP. I mean, you can go back and forth throughout the regular season, whether or not it's Hellebuck or Josh Morrissey, but they need him to have the game of the season for them. And I think that Lauren Brossois has played well. He obviously, he had the rough game one here in Vegas for it, but whether it, whether it be pucks, you know, guys will argue that the bounces have gone in the way of Vegas and they haven't for the Jets. Pucks have hit Brossois not. He has made some key saves, obviously, in order to get them done. He has proven so far up to the challenge. Connor Hellebuck has to elevate his game. Now, this is when the Winnipeg Jets need him most. Sarah, I'm trying to you know go through my head here and think about the the players that I think have have really done their job, and then some. I would uh, tip my hat to almost the entire defensive core, if not the entire defensive core, since the loss of Josh Morrissey. I think every one of the guys on the back end have 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 found another gear and have have done something that would suggest that there's no quit in them. I am a little bit concerned about how quiet. Kyle Connor has been Nino Niederreiter, and in particular Pierre Luc Dubois. What what's it going to take for those players to do what they do best, and that's to score timely goals, to score important goals. Well, and just and to score five on five too, right? I mean, you don't you can't count on it coming down to um, a special teams or power play. I think that this is when go back to that idea of your best players needing to be at your best. Everyone needs to find another gear. I agree with you. I think that the blue line has done a really good job throughout this series. When you look at the way that they have been, they've stepped up in the absence of Josh Morrissey. I think a number of players done it and they have an, an issue. And I think that like you look, Kyle Connors had chances. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois has had chances and they haven't gone in, but you're the best find, have to find a way to score, whether that's crashing the net, whether that's, you know, we've seen some of the goals that have happened in this series from tip pucks in net because you've got the bodies in front taking away Lauren Brossois' eyes. They have to do, you have to be willing to go to that next level. And I think that guys have played well in this series, but again, I don't think that they have necessarily played great in this series. And this is, you can't underestimate that Vegas was the number one team in the Western Conference. And so this is, you're going to have to bring it all in order to get past them. And I do think, I mean, we know that the skill is there. We know that this group can score. We know that the talent that they have, they just, it's simple to say when you're sitting on a couch or you're watching up in the press box, you've got to find, you got to just, but they have to find another gear. They have to find that way to score. There's just, the team just has no option right now. You have to look to your best players. And I think that we have seen on Vegas, they've had depth scoring, but they've also had, goals from and marquee and marquee times from their best players. And that's what the Winnipeg Jets need. And, and what I would expect this team 
to rise to the occasion tonight. I think that this is um, this is a group that with the talent that they have out there can certainly do it. I expect to see um, this Winnipeg Jets team come out and, and put everything at Lauren Bersois and force a game six. Sarah Orleski, Jets TV, joining us live from Sin City. Sarah, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, you three.